This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, it's Friday the 17th of November. I'm Andrew Harrison. Welcome to Paper Cuts, the Hunger Games of British journalism, where we transport the cream of His Majesty's daily newspapers to a pitiless arena and make them battle to the death for supremacy. If you would like to support this senseless and cruel practice, which is little better than bear baiting, then why not join the Paper Cuts Supporters Club? Just visit back.papercutsshow.com, that's B-A-C-K dot or follow the link in the show notes, and you can get extended episodes, snazzy t-shirts, stylish mugs, and the warm glow that comes from backing fearless, independent podcasting. Go on, don't be so tight. Now, here are the headlines for today's edition. Stop the boats, don't stop the boats, baby. After the Supreme Court sinks the government's flagship anti-immigration policy, where else can they go but crueler? Great when you're mates, yeah. The iPaper says there's a critical shortage of male friendship. Are they right? And Kate is curious orange. Is the male's colour wheel the key to the Princess of Wales' emotions? Welcome to an emotionally intuitive edition of Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts at the end of a week in which the Conservative Party, like the Ouroboros Serpent of Legend, began devouring itself tail first and then got food poisoning. And it's an exceptionally manly edition of the show today. Due to an administrative error and all of our female regulars being away or tied up or just not interested, we've got our very first all-male panel. We apologise for this. We did not design it this way. The studio now reeks of Paco Rabanne, cigars and fine cognac. <laughs> Joining me today on the manal, tearing a phone book in half with his teeth, it's the new statesman's John the Enforcer Elledge. Hello, John. Woof, woof. All right, mate. And shouting about football and fighting, it's comedy writer, Philomena Kunk co-creator and all-round diamond geezer, Iron Jason Hazley. Hello, who, Jason. Who are you fucking looking at? I'm looking at you. <laughs> now, you're actually in the papers today, aren't you, Yeah, Jason? Kevin Maguire has quoted something from uh, one of the Ladybird books for grown-ups. Um, he's, uh, he's calling himself Grandar Kevin, because he's obviously a granddad now. Um, and he quotes something from... Uh, how it works, the grandparent, about a woman who uh, didn't used to like doctors when she was younger, um, but she's a different person now, probably because so much of her has been replaced. Something well, like that. like a Cyberman. Anyway. That's the smoothest bit of pre-Christmas promotion I've ever seen. <laughs> yes, they are. They are still available, even though everybody's already and do, got... And would you say they make good presents? Oh, they make excellent presents, oh, yes, yes. Interesting. Yes, good stocking fillers. Anyway, the bloody newspapers as well. <laughs> yes, sorry, right. sorry, sorry. Guys, what have you got on the front pages today? John. So, uh, in keeping with our theme, there's there's some pretty horrible toxic masculinity on the front page of The Guardian, actually. Mm. Senior female staff report sexual assault and harassment at MOD. Uh, that's because 60 senior women at the Ministry of Defence have described a hostile and toxic culture uh, in a letter seen by The Guardian. Mm. Um, over in the eye, uh, we have new benefits crackdown if jobless don't accept work. The Times has, uh, frankly, a better headline than the same story. Look for a job or lose free NHS medicines. I mean, which of those two are you going to read? Well, we're going to be talking about that in a bit of detail, is. Yeah. Uh, another thing we're going to be talking about in more detail, the Telegraph is is still on its fucking hobby horse with Braverman, <laughs> my plan to get random flights off the ground. She's not even Home Secretary and she's still getting front page splashes. Maybe she's got a little tiny toy aeroplane and she's going, yeah, Rwanda, <laughs> like that. John, can you do the important um, headline from the front page of the Telegraph, please? 
one on the top left. Abigail Buchanan, bagpipes really are sexy again. <laughs> again, again. So it says, I know there's like there's a kink community for everything, and we support that, but when were bagpipes sexy? When were the they sexy? 1745, my friends. Well, <laughs> Donald, where's your trousers? Jason, what have we got? We've got the Daily Mail is leading with unelected lords plot to block Rwanda law that could end scenes like this, and then there are two photos of desperate people on boats. Um, the Mirror... Profumo scandal exclusive, time travel, here we go. Christine Keeler's son, I'll clear mum's name. That's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we would, before the show we were talking about this, does anybody under 40 really know who Christine Keeler is? No. We road tested this on the young people yes. and they said, Christine Keeler, nope, never heard of it. I don't know. I don't want, I don't want to be mean about our, our lovely youthful production team, but I think this is like Christine Keeler's a bit before my time as yeah. well. I know who she is. It's an excuse to run that picture, isn't it? It's a really good picture. Yeah, though, isn't it, it is a really good picture. And there have been like so many takeoffs of it over the years. There was one by Keir Starmer the other day, which yeah. was very sexy. Yes, there was, wasn't there? Yeah. Kept his clothes on, though. Um, the Sun... Now, this is extraordinary because I don't know whether The Sun's ever actually done this as a front page before in what looks like about 200-point type. It's PC gone mad. They've actually run with that as a front page. And tell us what the story is. The story is that police have been told not to use the word policeman because it might be sexist. So, And there's right. other. they've had a language guide, effectively, and they've been told to uh, not to use terms that are sort of gender-specific. I feel like we've come to some kind of like inevitable sort of Stanley Kubrick endpoint here. This is always going to happen. A PCPC has gone mad, <laughs> and the, PC, the anti-woke son thinks that PCPCs... It, you know, it's, it's, it's spiralling into its own little universe, isn't it? It's, it's remarkable. It's, we're sort of... We're, sort of uh, we're, we're approaching some kind of um, ideological event horizon here, yeah. I think. I just think somebody's run into the Sun newsroom holding a bit of paper going, lads, we can do it! At last, we can do <laughs> We've it! we finally got it! We've finally got the police got going woke. Yeah. Um, and the Daily Star, hurrah for the Daily Star, very much the Rod Holland emu of the newspaper world. Um, they are going, their front page, the, <laughs> the headline on the front page, £190,000 a year bank chief complains about workers getting half-decent pay rise, says the kicker. And then the headline is, The Plank of England. Now, crackdown corner. It's the end of a week in which the government's key Rwanda policy was torn to pieces by the Supreme Court. So what does a desperate political strategist do in moments like this? Answer, set everything on fire. The Times has the jaw-droppingly horrible headline, jobless will lose free NHS prescriptions if they refuse to seek work. John Alledge, this is clearly a, a straight you know, brief direct from government. What is going on here? What are they proposing? And literally, what the hell? So those who are deemed fit to work uh, are expected to take steps to find employment. That might mean training courses. That me might mean work experience. I think that often means going to a certain number of job interviews and so on. At the moment, anyone who doesn't do that can face uh, what are described as open-ended sanctions, uh, which can involve having their benefits stopped. Uh, under this plan, anyone who faces those sanctions for more than six months will have their claims closed and they will lose a whole bunch of other benefits, such as free prescriptions, access to free dental treatment, help from energy suppliers and cheaper mobile phone packages. I have a number of, I have a number of issues with this plan. Yes. You'll be surprised here. <laughs> Firstly, it ignores the fact that some unemployment is down to structural factors, such as, for example, living in a town that hasn't had an economy since the 19-fucking-80s, mm -hmm. rather than how, how hard anyone is trying. Secondly, it encourages this sort of busy work where people are just kind of like filling in forms all the time just so that, you know just so that people think they're trying rather than doing anything, you know, in any way improving or productive. 
The worst point, thirdly, though, is removing someone's access to medical treatment or a mobile phone actually going to make them more likely to find work or less likely to find work? Well, it's very hard to find work if you're sicker than you were previously. And you can't tell anyone because you can't pay your fucking phone bill. Yeah, but I mean, let's be honest. This is A, not going to happen. It's and not gonna B, happen. pure messaging for bitter pensioners, yes? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly... like We are now in a time frame where nothing the government says is going to happen. There just isn't time before an election. So everything they do needs to be seen through the lens of uh, geeing up their core voters or increasingly the Tory members who will be voting the next Tory leadership election after the catastrophic election loss, who are, as you note, generally older, bitter and more bigoted. This is purely about appealing to their prejudices rather than doing anything useful whatsoever. They live in resentfulshire. What you're missing is that this is a welcome return to Malthusianism. Now, if you know the work of uh, Thomas yes. Malthus, you'll know that he was in favour of compulsory depopulation. Mm. So he was the if, Thanos of his day, wasn't he? He was very much the Thanos of his day. Um, it was probably around about the same time that bagpipes were sexy, actually, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. um, so what happens here is I'm unemployed... And uh, I don't turn up, and I have an (laughs) asthma attack, Mm -hmm. so I don't turn up for my Wednesday 2 o'clock. And so they say, we're now taking away your your free prescription charge, and I can't afford to get the Ventolin and the Beclomethazone. So the next time I have an asthma attack, I could die. Mm. And that then means they've got one less unemployment statistic, and someone they don't have to pay benefits to anymore. So this is a win-win. Unless you die of asthma. Except for me, who died of asthma, yes. Yeah, but you're dead, so yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, I mean, it does fit with the sort of general tone of moving away from these postmodern concepts like human rights, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> but again, you know, it's just not going to happen, no, is it's it? Not. It's just going to evaporate into it's the It's a wind. noise for 96,000 old people, yeah. isn't it? So that's more red meat to the angry pensioners of resentfulshire. And John, cherry <laughs> on the cake, the FT on, on inheritance tax. You have thoughts about inheritance tax, don't you? So the Treasury thinks there's going to be more headroom for giveaways in the autumn statement than expected. The economy has been slightly less disastrous than we thought it had been. There is pressure from Tory MPs for what they referred to as retail tax cuts. There is another tax cut idea doing the rounds, something called full expensing, which is a technical change of business taxes, which I I don't understand. Uh, And and Tory MPs quite rightly think that's probably not a vote winner. Uh, So they are pushing for the abolition of inheritance tax. I can see how they get there. In that, like, I, inheritance tax is like an entirely justifiable tax. Like, you know, yeah. if you tax, if you tax work, people might work less. If you tax investment, people might invest less. If you tax death, people are probably not going to die less. That's true. And there is a pile of unearned housing wealth there. There is a gap in the public finances over here. It doesn't feel crazy to use one to plug the. It doesn't feel crazy to use the one to plug the other. The problem is that inheritance tax is incredibly unpopular, even with people on the left. If you look at the polling, it is possible this could be a vote winner, except for the fact that I kind of think this is like... You remember in 2019 when like every individual measure in the, in the Labour manifesto is immensely popular, but people didn't vote Labour yeah. because the leadership wasn't and they weren't trusted. I kind of think this is the Tory equivalent of that. I suspect that even though this has the potential to... Like, if they'd done this 10 years ago, I think this might have been a vote winner, but they do it now. People are just going to look at it and think, like, oh, it's well, the rich looking after their mates again. Isn't the core thing of it that inheritance tax affects a about 30,000 people. Oh, it's negligible. It's, it's, it's almost it's, everybody will never, ever I, encounter I it. I can't remember the exact figures, but the threshold is 300 and something grand. Yeah. There is 
more on top of that if you're leaving a house to your kids. There is a thing where, like, you know, if, if you die and leave your money to your spouse, uh, they don't pay tax, which is fair enough because, like, you know, you don't want someone who's bereaved to always have to sell the house. Yeah. There's, like, so many exceptions to it. So this is a cosmetic thing aimed at a small number of voters again and hoping that voters who think they will pay this tax but never will will also be impressed by it. Well, after all that, we need some calming support from one another. But the iPaper says that's all over for blokes. Finished. If you're a man, you're on your own. The front page reads, an SOS for men. Real male friendship is rare. And inside, the feature spread says, men have never felt more alone or afraid. Tell that to the cast of Das Boot or the brave doomed men of Stalingrad is what I say. The intro is actually a pretty good piece, this. For 23 years, personal development coach Kenny Mamarella de Cruz has been running men's speak groups where men come together to talk, listen and learn from one another. He believes that men are in trouble. Most are scared, lost, lonely boys wondering who they need to be so people will like them. He hopes men's speak will soon become as accessible as Alcoholics Anonymous. John, what did you think about this? Does it does it ring true? Because, I mean, in one respect, your, your immediate respect, uh, reaction to this is, really, really, I'm a man and I've got loads of mates. What, what is, is there any truth in this? I mean, I think it's a real phenomenon. Mm. Um, like when my, when my stepmom died a few years ago, it became clear that my dad didn't really have any friends and he was, he was a bit isolated. And that was, yeah. that was kind of heartbreaking to watch. Um, but it's, it, I think it's being portrayed as much more universal than it actually is because, you know, it is, it is a guy at the head of a particular movement trying to promote that, that movement. Mm. So nobody is going to go out there and do an interview and say this affects a very small number of men. Mm. They're going to say this affects everyone. I mean, it, like, I, I, I suffered a terrible loss earlier this year when my, my fiancé died unexpectedly one night. Uh, and one of the things that's kind of kept me on the, on the road in the last five months is just the support of, of my friends, including other men, the number of people who just kind of check in or just, you know, rant or just tell me they love me out of nowhere is is basically the thing that's keep, keeping me getting up in the morning. So I was reading this just thinking, really? is this, It's not universal at all. There's like a hit list here of failings or issues that need addressing. Many men feel they're, in, they're inherently bad, that uh, there's something wrong with us. One of the uh, people quoted says, my mum would say, what's the point of men? They just ruin things. And I felt shame that being a man was bad. Do we, do we think that's a widespread thing? I hope not. I mean, the serious, the, the statistic here that's rumbling around in the background is that the biggest killer of men under the age of 50 is suicide. Mm. So that is a serious point. So there are, there are obviously people, men, with very serious um, mental health issues or self-esteem issues or whatever they are. I'm in the same boat as you, John. Um, I uh, I lost my sister um, last year. She died very unexpectedly. And all I've had from female, male and non-binary friends is lots of support, including lots of men yeah. saying, thinking of you, mate, love you. I don't, I, I don't know any man, I think, who thinks he's inherently bad. Mm. So I don't know where that where that comes from. Is this, is this to some extent, uh, I mean, I, I've always thought of this as kind of a generational thing. Like, I think it's much yeah. easier for, yeah. for, for, for guys believe a certain age to do this than, than, than my, maybe my parents' generation. Um, but is there also an element of class in this? Like, we're all pretty sort of poncy middle-class people yeah. in this yeah. room. Like, is it just easier to talk about your feelings if, if you kind of grew up in, like, a sort of more touchy-feely culture? Well, I don't know because, you know, by definition, kind of not in that world. 
you know, one of the core things of this is where, you know, real male friendship is rare. You don't see it. Men are on their own. That and thing is not true. That's not true, true at all. And, and there's kind of, there's talking overtly and directly about your feelings. And then there's the kind of, the kind of caricature of, oh, men only ever, t- what do they talk about? Football, music, you know, comedy and, and, uh, and war. Well, maybe, but that's kind of, that's bonding and that's sharing and connection that is in itself emotionally supportive. You know, under other circumstances, taken out of the context of gender, a lot of the kind of a lot of therapy speak is it doesn't matter what you talk about as long as you talk. The idea that men don't have anyone to connect with. Um, there's the, the guy running these groups says men frequently come to groups and say, "I'm not going to tell my friends the truth because I might lose them, and then I'm on my own." He says men don't have people with whom to spend time. Podcasts are their friends. So, yeah, he is, but I don't think he's really talking about our kind of podcast. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's talking about things like Andrew Tate and YouTube channels and porn and the kind of the horrible manosphere, which I think is part of, of all this, isn't it? The kind of men's rights universe of, of resentment and fear. And in order to be a properly functioning man, you must become a male caricature. I think we're really growing together in this conversation, John. I feel we've all shared. I feel we all we've all learned things about ourselves. And how does that make you feel? It makes me feel pretty good, actually, John. And um, we'll be continuing this on the podcast for hours and hours and hours. And how would that make you feel? I'm really tired. Um, he does make the point that that the fair point that men feel they can't be vulnerable. It's a fear of humiliation, abandonment, rejection. Many men stick to masculine traits like being strong and tough because otherwise they get teased. That's that's what leads you down the Jordan Peterson path, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, it, I mean, I again, that's very much not anybody in this room. Um, I think there's something very good about crying and not being ashamed about crying. Yeah, I think it's very healthy. Yes, um, and I think it's not a bad thing to do in front of people to, in all, if effectively, to say you can do this as well if you yeah. want. You know. To actually go, this is normal. This is a normal thing. Crying is is laughing is a normal thing. Crying is a normal thing. So when you but when you try and button those feelings up and button your sadness up, yeah, you become this zipped up fuckwit, you know, who yeah. just can't, who has, who doesn't have access to a certain area of expression, yeah. which is an expression of sadness, loneliness, vulnerability, yeah, whatever that is. But that's part of you, so yeah. that should be coming out as well. The older I get, the more things make me cry. Increasingly um, tragic and heroic deaths in comic books <laughs> of heroic robots just like sacrificing themselves, bawling onto the page. I think it's normal. I, as a middle-aged man, I cry absolutely fucking everything, you know? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's it, brilliant. It's very, it's, very, <laughs> it's very liberating. The newspapers. Newspapers, yeah. <laughs> Public transport. Yeah. Well, I think we've grown a lot in this little segment, and we're now going to go and cover ourselves in woad and build a fire out of the newspapers <laughs> and dance around them and have a good cry. It's going to be great. Is it me or is it getting homoerotic in here? In a world of misery and deceit, of cruelty and delusion, few things bring back your faith in your fellow human being better than a classic newspaper headline. And we on Paper Cuts are huge fans. So much so that every Friday we run the Fix the Headline competition, where you get to improve a less than amazing headline on an actual real newspaper story. And the best one wins a Paper Cuts t-shirt. Today, we have a story from The Sun about a farmer who's charging £50 a go for cow cuddle sessions. Yes, you get to cuddle a cow. It's harder to book than Glastonbury, apparently. Their headline, Lift Your Mood. I reckon our listeners can beat that. So we know you can. Just answer on Twitter or threads with the hashtag FixTheHeadline and we'll choose a winner on Monday. But in the meantime, what about the best headlines on today's papers? 
Okay, so on page 33 of the Times, there is a story about a wig maker who has taken Nigeria's obsession with Guinness World Records to new lengths by constructing the longest ever handmade wig. And the headline is, Wig maker is on toupee of the world. I think that's pretty good, but it should be right. just on toupee on the toupee world. On toupee the world, yes. Yes. You've, they, you've fucked the rhythm up. You've fucked the rhythm up. Fucked up the scansion. What I love about the best about this is it's on the business pages. <laughs> <laughs> world's, world's biggest wig is on the business pages. Amazing. Helen Williams is the name of the wig maker. She spent 11 days and more than £2,000 making the hairpiece, which measures 351 metres and 28 centimetres. That should be We've Got a Winner. Very good. That's very good, son, isn't it? Really? There's a real sub in you, isn't there? Uh, this is this is this is my tragedy. I should be doing this, but I just I can't do it. Now I'm going to give you three from the Sun. Uh, the first one is not very good, but the guy who owns Hotel Chocolat is selling it, um, and so the headline there is Willy Wonga. <laughs> I think that's good. Willy right. Wonga, it's come right. on! Right. Willy um, Wonga nails golden ticket. Should be surely. Yes, it should. Yes, there should be a golden deck. ticket in there. Yeah. I, I, I like that one. There's a story in on page 28 of the Sun about how cooking cock-ups were behind a record number of false fire call-outs last year. Figures show that's so badly worded, isn't it? it? Is, My yeah. God. Um, anyway, the headline is crumbs. Is that a blaze? Mm. But, <laughs> but. Prepare yourselves, men. <laughs> Get emotionally and, ready for and, this one. And women and others listening, for heaven's sake. This is a good one. So a randy driver, this is page 11 of The Sun, a randy driver was... <laughs> randy is such know, a randy, newspaper word. Got randy, Nobody has said randy since 1973, no, except in the randy, papers. Randy, trist, bonk. <laughs> um, a randy driver was nabbed as he headed along the M25 with his passenger appearing to perform a sex act on him. He was spotted by police with his eyes shut and a woman's head in his lap on the motorway during rush hour. During rush hour? Right. And the headline? And the headline is, I'm just coming down the M25. <laughs> That's... Hmm. There's just... also there's a photo of, uh, of presumably the person um, uh, with, a, with a little speech bubble as well with... Um, with uh, whoever it is speaking, saying, are you nearly there yet? <laughs> so they've really gone for this. I mean, I bet they had about a, another 12 that they could They've stuck an emoji over, over his face, haven't they? they have. I, I, I think that's dangerous driving, frankly. I think that's... Uh, it is described know, during by... During rush hour on the M25, you're not moving very much anyway. <laughs> oh, you might as well. The M25 is a fucking car park. John, you've got a star trifecta, have you not? I do. We're kind of um, we're, we're 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 sticking with a the theme, to be honest. <laughs> uh, the th first off on page twenty-five, there is a story about uh, a jail uh, that has been rocked by uh, what is described as an orgy scandal, <laughs> with at least ten staff, uh, seven men, three women, taking part in steamy hot tub sessions. Uh, there's there's a hot tub in the prison. It's like a bloody hotel these days. It really is, <laughs> honestly. It really sounds like a. Anyway, this is in Belgium, by the way. This oh, is in Belgium, expect, obviously. Which somehow makes it better. Uh, they're, they're, they're picking out coloured bracelets to determine who they can have sex with. Okay. Which I find particularly interesting given the gender balance at work here. Anyway, the, <laughs> the headline is banged up. Hey. Yes. Not about screws? No. no Belgian no. prison sounds fucking wild, doesn't I, it? Bracelets, go, hot gonna, tubs. Did you see, yeah. by the way, there was a brilliant viral YouTube video the other day that was like, you know, London rental opportunity or European prison. <laughs> <laughs> fucking brilliant. Well, I've changed my opinion of European <laughs> prisons. I'm going to go get jailed in Belgium and see what happens. <laughs> Elsewhere in the star on page 15, we have... Um, 
Uh, you remember the film Calendar Girls? Yep. Uh, well, this is this is if you imagine Calendar Girls crossed with Dad's Army. <laughs> Hey. This is the Bridlington veterans from East Yorkshire have yeah. done a naked calendar, um, which I'm going to be honest, I will not be purchasing. Uh, anyway, the headline <laughs> under the pictures of uh, Ray Francis, Ray Eagleton, Mike Cook and Bill McGuinness or going commando. The headline is force of nature. Very good. good. Those pictures also have lots of strategically placed rifles and teapots, <laughs> things like that, you know, Union Jacks and things. But uh, the piece de resistance... Um, is a story about um, a chess grandmaster who's been accused of cheating via means of an, a vibrating anal bead. <laughs> uh, through which um, a, a, a friend, was, friend? With access, a friend with access to artificial intelligence uh, was telling him the best moves to make by vibrating said bead a certain number of times. Uh, this is one of those where the story is way better than the headline. The, he- the, head- <laughs> the headline is Porn Stars. Porn, porn yeah. Stars. Yeah. Yes. Australia. It's known for its repellent and unnatural creatures with their hideous frog-like visages, <laughs> full of noxious venom and Where's murderous... Where's this going? <laughs> full of noxious venom and murderous desire to do harm to mankind. Nigel Farage will be stranded in the middle of the Australian outback when I'm a celebrity, get me out of here, gets underway, reports The Guardian. He will be one of three unsuspecting stars who will be dropped in the red desert in the scorching heat and tasked with helping his campmates thousands of miles away. Farage will be joined by Josie Gibson from This Morning whatever, and a YouTuber called Nella Rose, nope, and the three of them have to buy time for the other contestants by doing, I don't know, eating kangaroos foreskins or something. Jason, do you think that the famously altruistic Farage will respond to the challenge here? I have a horrible feeling. Look, the thing with this is that Farage doing this, apart from the fact that he's reportedly getting a million and a half quid for it. Farage doing this means that the papers can either write about Farage doing this or they can write about how furious they are that Farage is doing this. And both ways, they're writing about Farage. Mm. So he just wins whatever he does here. I don't know what it will do for his popularity. I suspect that it might go a bit like Matt Hancock. People just want to punish him so he he stays in. Um, I won't be watching it, Um, not because... Of him, but because I've never watched it, yeah. so uh, I'm and I'm not interested in seeing Oswald Toadsley eating a fucking kangaroo <laughs> dick or whatever. There was a brilliant. Um, does anyone remember the Armando Iannucci shows from yes. two thousand and one? Yes. There's a brilliant sketch in that about um, celebrities doing weird stuff like this. And there was a sketch in that about Halen Pace running a shoe shop. Yes, but, <laughs> but there was no plans to turn it into a television series, and they committed to do it for the next thirty years. If he, if Nigel Farage was just taken <laughs> to an Australian jungle and left there without the cameras rolling, yeah. I would not only be fine with that; I'd be fine with them paying money to do that, as long as he doesn't get to come back. Well, not really good, but maybe, you know, maybe he'd go on a journey of. Maybe it would be like Walkabout with Jenny Agutter, and he'd have a <laughs> journey of self-discovery, <laughs> and he'd return to civilization naked, but for twigs covered in in the red earth, and say, so "I've seen the truth." about everything we must all love one another and then he can come and dance around a fire with us in our man group that would this, be pretty amazing this is exactly why we need women on this podcast because I think that's the third time this episode you come up with a reference which involves men taking their clothes off and painting themselves in some way look you want to do it we all want to do it don't pretend otherwise Let's move on to more of the delicious, creamy filling of the newspapers, the bit in the middle that stops the divorces and the murders from crashing into the offsides, the bad VAR decisions and the managerial spats. We're talking features, we're talking fashion, we're talking travel, entertainment, food, TV, 
and pieces that tell women how they can have it all and then they should feel bad when they do. Uh, one of the fantastic things we spotted today is in the mail. Does this colour wheel of emotions reveal what Kate's really feeling? This is bonkers. It's by, by Laura Craig, who's ace it, and, and now does fashion at, at, at the mail. I have to say, you're being very mean about this. I think this is fucking fantastic. I think it's, I think it's good. So, is it, <laughs> this is the sort of shit we want from mid-market tabloids. Explain what it is. Uh, what they've done is they've come up with... Uh, they've, they've gone into the, the picture file. They've found as many pictures as they can of Kate Middleton in different uh, colour outfits. Yeah, looking like a posh Teletubby. Um, well, she's quite skinny for a Teletubby. Yes. Also, no, no, no television in her, her stomach either. Uh, but they've just kind of found all these pictures of her in, you know, pink and green and um, blue and yellow and so on. And they've put them on a colour wheel with emotions attached. So they've suggested that uh, when she's wearing green, she's, uh, her, her primary emotion is mad. Mad. But depending on the shade, she could be angry, annoyed or hateful. John, what colour is your jumper? My, my, I, I'm, I'm hateful today. You're hateful. I would green. say, uh, you are purple. purple. You are, you are happy and excited. Obviously, uh, Jason is in, is wearing black, and it's not on the colour wheel. Oh, well, the options are disenfranchised the, again. Uh, no, well, goth. You see, what do you expect? <laughs> don't, have, don't have a mope. And um, the co- the centre of the colour wheel is, is these are your options in life: sad, mad, happy, scared. <laughs> <laughs> Which we were think I was thinking before we started recording. It sounds sounds like Fitter Happier by Radiohead. Yeah, sad, mad, yeah. happy, scared. <laughs> and, but then this devolves into broader options. One of which is hateful. <laughs> what else? And it is exactly the colour of my fucking jumper. I mean, this is exactly yeah, that. Yeah. Hate the hateful John Ellidge. Yellow, uneasy on tour. Tell that to Coldplay. She just, she's looking very bright and jolly. There is a, a there is a limited number of expressions here though, because she just looks happy most of the time. It's Every one of these pictures, she's doing the same sort of half smile. Yeah. Where she kind of looks like, you know, warm and approachable, but not too approachable. Mm. Mid-blue, show of loyalty. Navy, hiding her sorrow. That's, they're both fucking blue, and that's quite a gulf in emotions. <laughs> show of loyalty, hiding my sorrow. Well, the Russians have two different words for blue. Do they? They do. So, like, you know, our, our perception of colour is very much shaped by language. Okay. Uh, and different languages, like, they tend to settle on roughly the same number of primary colour terms, but some have a couple more or a couple less. In Russian, there are two completely different words, meaning light blue and dark blue, so they will perceive them as different colours. Mm, same uh, in French. Which, you know, I assume that Laura Craig or, and or Kate Middleton are Russian speakers. Could could well be. <laughs> Orange, nervous before solo event. I've got an orange jumper. Nervous uh, before solo event. That's an emotional state, I is often it? I get very nervous before a solo event. Very nervous indeed. Um, and fuchsia. Hang on, there's, a, there's a wanking gag in here somewhere, isn't there? Go on, you're the comedy writer. Fuchsia, content, content in pregnancy. So, you know. What about if you wear fuchsia when you're not? What about if I wore fuchsia? Because I'm not pregnant. You'd get pregnant. It would make you pregnant. I'd, I'd then be a content pregnant. Yeah. Great. <laughs> This is exactly the this is the kind of like meaningless bullshit we want from the tabloids. It's not doing anyone any harm. This is no, lovely. It's a full double page. They had a lot of fun with Photoshop. They've filled the space. They've given us something to talk about, and they haven't been racist. I think this is great. Win 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 for the mail. Frankly, also, I mean, as somebody who's old enough to remember when the papers were in black and white, a beautiful use of colour. Yes. This is what colour print. This is what Eddie Shaw created the Today <laughs> newspaper for. This is why the riots in Wapping and the crushing of the print unions were all worthwhile. So we can have a colour wheel of Kate's frocks. And that's the end of today's paper cuts. Thanks to John Ellidge for joining us today. Thank you very much. I feel very in touch with my feelings. And thanks to Jason Hazley. Do you feel more manly? Um, I feel very understood. I feel Great. seen.
Above all, thanks to the members of the Papercut Supporters Club, the faithful backers who keep us free and independent. Join them for as little as £3 a month and you'll get every edition with no adverts on it. Support us with a little bit more and you'll get extended episodes with extra material, plus the coveted Papercuts mugs and T-shirts. Follow the show notes to back.papercutsshow.com. That's B-A-C-K dot papercutsshow.com with two S's and find out a little bit more about it. It's the gang that keeps on growing and here's some special thanks to our latest recruits. Hello, and thanks from me to Gavin Bluck, who is clearly the kind of guy we can depend on. And big thanks and a manly hug from me to Joe Morrison. And hello, and huge thanks from me to Nick Button, who is possibly the Erty Button House as haunted by Lady Button and the Captain and Robin and all that lot. That's your show. I've been Andrew Harrison, and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when the Boston Globe reveals that the Harvard Bookstore ordered a shipment of books and got a pallet of boxes marked Haddock Fillets instead. <laughs> Warehouse workers panicked, the paper says, but it was only a red herring. Hey! Blistering barnacles. So we're <laughs> off to start that fire in the woods and talk about our feelings. Have a great weekend. We'll see you on Monday. Paper Cuts was presented by Podmasters Group Editor Andrew Harrison with Jason Hazley and John Ellidge. The managing editor was Jacob Jarvis and the producers were Adam Wright and me, Alex Reese, a man who's in charge of his emotions. Sorry. Socials by Jess Harpin. Art direction by Modern Toss and James Parrott. Music by Simon Williams. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. 